0: Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I want to
1: recap real quickly. We talked last week about the kind of Christian culture of God. In the Old Testament, it was a visitation culture of God. God would come and he'd put his spirit, his Holy Spirit on people um, for a moment to accomplish certain tasks between God and man in the Old Testament. So it was like God would come and visit, dwell among his people in a visitation type of a culture. But then in the New Testament, when Jesus comes, And he gives his life up and he dies on the cross and he resurrected on the third day. And then Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit comes and fills all believers. We move from a visitation culture of God to a habitation culture of God. Now God's not just coming and withdrawn. God's coming to live inside of you. Amen. We said that God is coming to habitate your heart. He's not looking to just make a visit from time to time but to make you are family with the Lord. If God is coming to live inside of your life, he's not getting the guest bedroom, he's getting a uh, home inside of you. The ro- And so, because God is coming to make his uh, home inside of you, the role in which he says he plays in the New Testament, the way in which he's described it, he has, it's many times before, but I just wanna throw it out there one more time. We know that earthly fathers have messed up. And so the moment that you was so bad, his father, for some of you, red flags go up like, oh, my dad was so bad. And my father did horrible things. And I understand that. And so when we say that God is father, I want you to think about a perfect father, and that's him. I'm going to try to get through this. My voice is really going today. So God is that perfect father, not the one who hurt you or messed things up or or wasn't kind. God is the perfect father. One of the most profound mysteries in scripture was what we talked about among you. One of the other most profound things is that God would choose a bunch of imperfect people to call sons and daughters. That God would take a bunch of men and women that mess it up and say, oh, right here changes everything for you. Romans eight fourteen, 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We don't have to live in fear again of do I measure up? Amen, church. Did I get it all right? Did I obey it all the best that I was supposed to? We don't have to live in fear again and here's why. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him you cry abba father daddy god the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children now if we are children then we are what oh man (laughs) you get what god has we are heirs and co-heirs with christ if Oh, the the part that we love. Indeed, we share with his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. I want to talk about the beauty of discipline today. Can we talk about that? I don't know if you came to church to learn about God's discipline, but you're going to. Sufferings. This is how we live if we share in his sufferings. Um, If you grew up rightly, if you grew up rightly, and and I'll tell you what I mean by if you grew up rightly, every now and again, you needed a good shellacking in your life, you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you know what a shellacking is? It's a whooping. (laughs) you needed a good whooping in your life, Or, or, or if you grew up with parents that were like, you needed a good time out, that works too, or you needed a good taking away your toys, whatever it worked for you, Every now and again, if you grew up rightly, there was some good discipline that was happening in your life. If you grew up really rightly, you had grandmas and grandpas that were super good at it, along with your parents, right? Like grandma could slap you upside the head, and you were like, "Okay, grandma," right? And so discipline in our life was a good thing in those days. And again, I want to be sure to be sensitive here. I'm not talking about discipline. I don't want to trigger something where you go, man, my parents were abusive. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about abusive situations. I'm not trying to trigger again something in your heart if you grew up and and people were a little too rough in your family with you. I'm talking about good discipline. Discipline that says, I care enough to give you a good shellacking so you'll stop doing that. Amen? Everybody say shellacking. Shellacking. All right, I like it. All right. So one of the first verses that we taught our kids when they were growing up is the famous, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The second verse that we taught them was, spare the rod, ruin the child. (laughs) Amen? We didn't teach them that, but they got that. All right. Growing up, I was, I grew up in the era where, maybe you did as well, 8 o'clock definitely did, uh, where we, we, our principals had paddles. Did your principals have paddles? And I felt it many times. Sometimes he would bore the holes in it so it didn't catch the air. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I remember growing up where the principal had a paddle and you go to the principal's office and there were many times where he could whoop your butt. Did you hear that? Did you guys hear that? He could whoop your butt. Um, I remember my dad growing up, my dad, it was me and my two brothers, so it was just all boys in the house and my mom, and I remember my dad, he used to do that thing where he'd say, go pick your switch. Oh, you knew what that meant. It means go pick the device that's going to bruise your butt. I'd come back with foam every time, foam. <laughs> Swing away, dad. Swing away. It never worked. It never worked. The plan that I received in my life was actually birthed out of love to correct my life. The discipline that I received in my life was actually because enough people loved me enough to make sure that I wouldn't wander away from the path that I was supposed to be on. As I was studying in the Word this week and just kind of downloading this idea of discipline of the Lord, really the Word that I felt for us as a church body was that the discipline of the Lord is getting us battle ready for the days ahead. That the discipline of the Lord is actually going to be beautiful because of what will endure as the days get more and more closer to the Lord's return. And so this discipline is actually getting us battle ready for an all-out spiritual warfare that wants to take you out. And so right now in your heart, if you feel like, whew, man, I felt a little bit of the discipline of the Lord, it's actually for your good. And so I hope that you hear today that this is for your good. There's this consistent theme throughout Scripture: tons of verses about the discipline of the Lord. I'll read a few of them. Proverbs ten seventeen says, "Whoever needs discipline, whoever heeds discipline, shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray." This one's my favorite, Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> Read it, it's in the Bible, all right? I, lo- I'm re- I will say it one more time. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. Revelation three nineteen: John the Revelator is downloading from the Lord. He gets the picture of the church at Laodicea as he's talking about the churches. And the one that that he's talking about here in, in, in 319 is the lukewarm church. And so he gives a lukewarm people, so he gives this outline of what they need to do. And here's what he says. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Job, if there's anybody who knows anything about this, it's Job, right? Job 5, 17 says, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Listen to what he says, church. This is gonna conflict with some of your hearts. For he wounds, but he binds up, but he also binds up. He injures, growing up as a kid, my dad killed. i want to give that imagery again from growing up as a kid. My dad could injure our backside. <laughs> but he was also one who could heal our hearts. On this one today, is telling us today about his discipline i was stuck on this one today or uh, this week psalm 32 4 and 5 says for day and night this is david crying out to the lord for day and night your hand was heavy on me anybody ever felt a heavy hand I had this coach slash teacher growing up. He was our wrestling coach, football coach in middle school. He had man hands. You know what man hands are? They're ginormous. He could put them on your shoulder and it felt like he wrapped around your entire shoulder. And I would chit chat with these guys in my classroom and, and if he would come and lay his hands on you, it was a heavy hand and he could give just this little light squeeze, which was really torment, all right? And in that moment, I knew, shut up, shut up, shut up, right? I needed to be quiet, I was being disobedient, and it was just a heavy hand on my shoulder. And David says, your hand was heavy on my shoulder. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. But look what it did to him. That heavy hand did something. Then, and only then, when your hand was heavy on my shoulder, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while they may find you, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. As the day of trouble comes and the waters rise and that feeling of being drowned comes, he's going, when your hand comes upon me, I will start to look inside of my heart and purge the things in me that are not of you. But he's not done. Look what else he says. When that happens, you, verse 7, are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way, says the Lord, that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. How many of you guys know that God's loving eyes are on you right now? He's not turned from you, is on you. He says in verse 9, do not be like the horse or the mule. What's a mule known for? That's why there's another name for it, right? It's stubborn. Don't be stubborn. Don't sit there and say, you've got it. I've got it. I don't need anybody tell me what to do. I've got it. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and a bridle, or they will not come to you. He's going, don't despise discipline. Don't be stubborn when it comes to those things. This is all about growing in purity of heart, which is what God wants. When his heavy hand is on you, it's actually God doing a good thing for your life so that you begin to search your heart. And David said, when your heavy hand was upon me, I began to spill my guts. When your heavy hand was upon me, that's when I realized that I had a bunch of junk inside of me. And so as we talk about this today, I want to spend time really examining your hearts for just the next few minutes. And in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews says some things that I think are really important for us. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, start with verse 1 because I want to go in context here. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles Let's run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Wait, 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 where's God's eyes fixed on? On us. His gaze is on us, our gaze is on him. We're locked in together. I want you to hear this, this isn't about us just looking at him, he's looking at us and then he says these words. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. This sets up the discipline of the Lord. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you feel the heavy hand on the Lord on you right now, I want you to understand, Jesus felt the heavy hand of the Lord upon him, yet that heavy hand of discipline on him that put him, sent him willingly to the cross broke death that you and I could have freedom in him. So that heavy hand that, the, that Jesus had such opposition, consider the, the role that Jesus played as Jesus had such opposition against him And yet, that discipline led to life for you and I. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely completely forgotten this word of, and here's what he calls it, encouragement. (laughs) That addresses you as a father addresses his son. Here's the word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Somebody say, he loves me today. And if you really feel that hand, somebody say, he really, really loves me right now. And he chastises or chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Endure hardship. I'm not asking for hands, but maybe you feel like you've been in hardship. Trials, tribulations, a little bit of the fire lately. Endure hardship as discipline. Let me tell you why that's so important real quick, church. I think 99% of the time, anytime a hardship or a trial or persecution or a difficult situation comes in our life, the first person that we blame is who? Satan. Oh, you know Satan, he's just out to get me. Oh, the enemy, he's just attacking me right now. And if we don't blame Satan or the enemy, we blame somebody else. Oh, you know, Bill, Bill doesn't like me, right? We've got names for it, but very rarely do we ever say, God, is this you? You see, so many times when things are happening in our life, we want to blame the enemy. We want to blame somebody else because we feel like it's unjust to us. What if it's the Lord's heavy hand because he loves you and he wants to get you back on the rails again? What if it's his discipline in your life because he loves you, you need a good shellacking because maybe there's some things in your heart where you've began to wander and drift away from him. Here's what he says. Endure hardship as discipline, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone, look what he says, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human father of spirits and live. We respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They, these human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. In other words, what he's saying is that as a human father, we got disciplined as they thought best. They made mistakes. They messed it up. It wasn't always it done in the right way. They made mistakes, but look what he says about God. But God disciplines us for our what? For our good. In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline, I'm glad he put this in here. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. What, what, amen? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been, everybody say trained? Did you know that you're being trained by discipline? When my kids were younger and we lived on a street that had a lot of cars that, 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 that came by, every time the ball would roll out to the street and they would start to run out to the street, I would catch them on the arm and I'd say, you don't run out to the street until you look both ways. And if they did it again, they got a shellacking, all right? And here's why. Because I wanted them to be trained up so that the next time that the ball would roll out into the street, they would stop, look, and look, and then go get the ball. And here's why. Because I would rather them have a little shellacking in their life than be hit by a car. So when the Lord is disciplining us in our life, when there's the discipline of the Lord in our life, we are being trained up we are getting ready for whatever's coming next. We are getting prepared for the battle that's coming to wage war against us. But the way we're being prepared is with a harvest of righteousness and peace. Right living and the peace of God. Amen, church. So, I wanna, I wanna say this. I don't wanna make light of the pain from discipline. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say these words. Sometimes the love of God seems painful. Verse six says, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. I heard this quote, I really thought a lot about this. Our pain is not the effect of God's hate, but our pain is the effect of God's love. Do you know that scripture says that it pleased the father to bruise his son? I thought about that. Like it pleased God to bruise Jesus on our behalf. Why? Because it would lead to freedom of all mankind. It's not that it didn't hurt God's heart. Like anybody, it's God's going, ah, but I know what it's going to do. So when these things happen and this pain happens, really what God wants to know is, when you feel the heaviness on you, when you feel that heavy hand on you, what comes out of you? Do you come out of you or does Jesus come out of you? This is important in the context of that scripture that we just read in Hebrews 12. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he says this, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When that pain is on us, what we're supposed to remember is Jesus. The pain that was on him, the struggle that was on him, the suffering that was on him, and it broke loose freedom for you and I. And he's going, remember when you feel that heavy hand on you. Remember when you feel like things are just uh, tense enough. When you're enduring hardships, remember that no matter what's coming against you remember Jesus remember what it broke free from him remember what it did and it'll do the same thing for you it'll produce a life or a harvest of righteousness and peace so that whatever comes your way no matter what we will remember that even if God puts me in a very trying environment a very difficult environment what needs to come out of me is Christ The way that I display myself is the way that Christ displayed himself. See, when we encounter difficulty and trials, what we've got to ask is, Lord, is this you trying to set my heart right? And then once we get that down and we work through that pain of discipline, then we need to understand it's done because he's a good, good father. Amen, church. And he loves us. That's why he makes a a comparison between a human father and then God as father. He says, they, the human fathers, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. This is all about getting us back on the right track. And I'll tell you why. In Jeremiah 2.13, he tells a little bit of our nature as men and women. In Jeremiah 2.13, here's what he says. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. Would you say that we've done a little forsaking in our nation of the Lord? And even in your own heart, as they've forsaken me. They're like, we just don't know if we need you. We just don't know if you're it anymore. Living water. And then he says the second committed two sins. They've forsaken me. The spring of living water. And then he says the second one, and have dug their own cisterns, cisterns that are broken that cannot hold water. These were the things that held water. And he says, here's what they've done. They've forsaken me and they've decided that they're better than me and they can do it better than me. They've decided that their ways are better than my ways. They've decided that their successes are better than what I can give them. They've decided that their trophies, and their, their achievements are better than anything that I offer to them. So, because of these two sins, God always brings us back to a place of discipline just as he did in the days of Jeremiah, to get us back on track and as he said, For our good that we may share in his holiness. Why is that important? Because later on in Hebrews 12, 14 he will say, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So here's a father who loves you enough to not just tickle your ears and tell you everything's everything's great. but Let's, like, there's some things. If you are going, mm, there's some things in your heart, let's work through it. Let's, like, there's some things, if you feel some pressure, it may not be the enemy. It may be me as your father going, there's something there. Because he loves you. God's discipline is so good because he loves you. Jerry Bridges says these words, the purpose of God's discipline is not to punish but to transform us. I heard this quote. From another guy and he says this never trust a man of god that doesn't walk with a limp (laughs) that's really good and i went on to read what he was talking about if you know the story in genesis 32 jacob who who will later have his name changed to israel he's wrestling with the lord and here's what we find jacob has acquired and got all of his stuff by, by, by bad means. He, he, he lied, he was a deceiver, all of these things, but God continued to bless him because God was raising up his people. So Jacob gets all of these things, but he really hasn't necessarily been fully ingrained in like, it's all yours Lord. And so what we find is, is that Jacob's brother Esau is coming to get him. So Esau's coming with his big army, Jacob thinks he's gonna kill him, Esau's family across first. What a moron, right? He sends all his family across first. He's like, well, at least if they die, you know, maybe I can escape the river. And that night, he begins to wrestle with the Lord. And as he wrestles with the Lord, you remember the story, he says, bless me. And God ends up blessing him, but he touches his hip socket, and forever that hip socket is out of joint, and he'll forever walk with a limp. So when this guy said these words, never trust a man of God that doesn't walk with a limp, never trust a man of God or understand that his discipline is good. Because it means you've wrestled with the Lord and you understand that his discipline was good for you. Because from that moment on, he blessed him, he gave him the name Israel. From that moment on, I can promise you, with every limp of his leg, Jacob remembered the day that the Lord disciplined him and he put his trust in him fully. Does the heavy hand of God that you may feel upon you draw you into him to put your trust in him fully? You see, God would rather use a means that may hurt a bit on the things of the world and missing him. To get our eyes back on him than let us suffer putting our eyes on the things of the world and missing him. The, 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 the imagery that I have of this, I shared it with the last services. If you've got your ear, I always call them earpods or airpods, airpods in. If you've got your AirPods in, and you're strolling down the street, and you just don't think anything is going to get you, and you're just carefree, and you're just living life, and you're just doing your thing, and there's a truck barreling down on you, and somebody sees it, and they run up in the last second, and they push you out of the way, and you fall, and you scrape your arm up, and you turn around, and you take those out, and you're cussing up a storm at them. You're angry that they hurt you. You're angry that they pushed you. You're angry that you've got a little blood streaming down your arm. What you don't realize is you are about to be dead meat. So the Lord's going, if I've got to push you so that that truck barreling down don't take you out, I'll push you all day long because I love you. And so, here's what he's saying. As a father, I may have to do things from time to time that you may feel a bit of pain in, a bit of... But in the end, it's for your good. And, and, and I'll be done here in just a second, but I wanna say this. So, so his discipline isn't, pardon, to ref- His discipline is love. To ask God to refrain from, to ask God to stop giving us discipline would be to ask God to stop loving us that much. So don't be discouraged when you feel the discipline of the Lord in your life. In fact, he says these words in Hebrews 12, be encouraged. And here's the encouragement. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Do not despise his discipline. How do I know it's not punishment? Because scripture tells us in Isaiah 53, 5, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. God's not looking to punish you a little bit more. God's not looking to say, you know what, I'm not done with my punishment. I want to punish you a little bit more. God's wanting to say, I want to love you to the fullest extent and for you to understand that. He's not looking to punish you a little bit more. Jesus took the full brunt of the punishment. Do you believe that, church? He took it all so that in that great exchange, it's not about God trying to punish you anymore. It's about God wanting to love you now. And so when you feel that heavy hand upon you, don't go, oh, God just doesn't like me. God just doesn't care about me. God just doesn't want anything to do with me. If anything, you go, he really, really really right now loves me. When we were kids, we took medicine that didn't always taste good. You remember those medicines? <sighs> but it was for our good, wasn't it? I remember when we would do stupid things and my dad would get me and my two brothers. It was usually their fault, but I was, somehow got pulled into it. Um, <laughs> and he would get ready to spank us, and uh, he would, you know, he, he, he loved us, and so he would always tell us, I love you, you know, and this, this stupid line, this is gonna hurt me, and I'm just like, whatever, it's not gonna hurt you. And, uh, and then he'd go, but you know what, I, I wanna show you guys some grace, too. And he'd bring us in, and he'd hug us, and he'd love us, and he'd say, I, I want you boys to know I, I love you guys, and, and we'd laugh together, and I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, it's over, and he'd say, now bend over my knee. Whoa, big guy, hang on. Like, we just laughed together. <laughs> we, we just had a moment. Remember the, remember the hug, <laughs> right? And he's like, I know, and that's why I want to do this so that you don't repeat it again, the mistakes that you made, whatever it was that we did. You see, God wants to draw us in, he wants to hug us, he wants to love us, and then he wants to get our hearts so that we don't repeat those things again. This is what discipline is, and it's necessary for our hearts, and that's why we're not supposed to despise it, we're not supposed to reject it, we're not supposed to push it away. He would rather give us a short-term discipline than a long-term consequence for disobedience. He wants us to be back on the right track. Mm Okay, I'm gonna read one more scripture. Deuteronomy 8-2. You see the people of God, they, they, they were supposed to go into the promised land. You know, you know the story if you've read the Old Testament. And um, they were disobedient, man. They were, they were off the tracks. They were off, they, were, they didn't try all these different things. And so uh, what he said he would do, they got fear in them. Yeah, 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 all these different things. And so because of that, they don't get to go into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy 8.2, this is what um, he says. Remember how the Lord say to humble you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years? Look what he says. Everybody say, to humble. Humble. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your what? Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you. Look at how he did it. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. Oh, that we would just have the things that we had in Egypt. Oh, that we would just have this, that we would just have that. Oh, we hunger, we hunger. It's some pain. There's some pain going on. He, he caused you to hunger, but then look what he says. Then feeding you with manna. So all of a sudden, they're like, we're hungering. There's a little pain. There's a little heaviness of the Lord's hand. Oh, yeah, we walked away from him. Oh, yeah, we told him we didn't need him anymore. We told him we could do it on our own. He puts his heavy hand, and then he comes in like a loving father, and he feeds us. We see, God, that you're for us then he goes on and he says these words, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He wanted their hearts to know that it wasn't about what they ate or didn't eat or where they're going to be or where they're not going to be. It was about the end of the day. It's all about trusting and putting our life in him. He says, your clothes did not wear out. Your feet didn't swell during those 40 years No, no, He says, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. It's always about a heart procedure with the Lord. It's always, it all comes back to heart. It's not what's happening out here. It's always about what's happening in here. At 53, I'll never forget, my dad had his heart attack. Dude was a specimen of health. Went to the Y two times, almost every day, five days a week, played racquetball, had his heart attack at 53, running on a treadmill. Like, (laughs) the Lord wants to take you out, he's gonna take you out, right? Running on a treadmill, goes, falls, and codes three times, and they end up getting him back, and um, obviously he's alive, praise the Lord today. Well, shape, like what's the deal? And I remember the doctors telling me and my brothers, they go, you guys know that um, genetics you guys are going to have to have your, your heart checked um, quite a bit as you get, as you get, oh, I don't know if I want to do all that. It's so invasive. Like, I don't want things prodded and poked in me. And he goes, well, have some invasive heart procedures done or you could die. And remember of things that you don't always like that cause a little pain from here time to time, or you could heart. Because it always comes back to the heart. So I want to ask you in this season, where have you felt the hand of God heavy on you? Do you see his love in that? Do you see him growing you with his heavy hand on your shoulder? Where's the Lord's discipline taking place in your life right now? Because here's the deal, we're sons and daughters, he loves you we're not illegitimate, we're sons and daughters, it's coming. And I want to take some time, do I feel your heaviness, do I feel some things in me because you're trying to root some things out of me. So yeah, you guys just close your eyes to think about your heart, think about the Lord's discipline and that we would not despise your discipline, but God, we would welcome it. It's painful. But what it produces, God, is what we're after. Righteousness, holiness, peace. So God, I'm asking, would you help us to examine our hearts this morning? And would you help us to not neglect, deflect, reject, or despise your discipline? But what's in your heart? Ryan's going to sing this over us. Amen. Just take a minute. Think about what's in your heart. Ryan's going to sing this over us.
0: Choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. Ready
1: to do, you got Stan. Let's sing this to you.
0: set apart for You, my Master,
1: I'm ready to do it. Fathers, we leave today. God we thank You that You are a loving Father who disciplines His sons and daughters out of love and not punishment. We thank You, God, that even though Your heavy hand may feel like it's on us, for many of us in this room, God we thank You that Your heavy hand actually is for us to examine our hearts. And so, God, in this season of maybe for some discipline or in other seasons of discipline for everyone, God, I pray that what it does is it doesn't repel us from you but draws us nearer to you. For we will need it in these days to battle hard in our hearts as the enemy wages war against us. Thank you for your discipline, God. In your name we pray these things and all God's people said. God bless you. We love you. See you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.